630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, good to have you along for the ride tonight. Inside Sports on 6.30 Chad. Thank you so much for tuning in this evening. Uh, just quickly, uh, a little bit more on the uh, on the doping issue. Uh, Chris Colabello from the uh, Toronto Blue Jays has served an 80-game suspension for his positive PED test. He's back playing in AAA with Buffalo tonight. He hit a home run in his first at bat. Here's what he had to say this afternoon. If somebody told you you did something that you would never do, and the whole world doesn't believe you when you tell them, I didn't do this, what are you going to do? You're just going to fold up and just say, hey, I'm... You know, you got me. Like, what? No, like, I, I've said this before. I was like, I wish I could come out and apologize for this. I'm never going to apologize for something that I didn't do, ever. I, I'll be the first one to stand up and tell you when I made a mistake. But in this situation, I will not apologize. There's no chance I'll apologize. And, and I mean, here's the thing a guy gets caught, and then he says, I, I didn't do it. Most of us assume, well, he's lying. I'm, I'm sure there have been some people who have, I mean, there can be false positives or unknowing, whatever. Probably unlikely, but I'm, I'm sure it's happened. It's just, it's just unfortunate, all the distrust that it's, it's created. And, you know, I think we'd all like to kind of hope to watch sports, thinking most things are on the up and up. I don't know if we have that luxury anymore. 707 Inside Sports on 630 Chad. You can always text me at 630-630. Our open line number is 780-496-0063. Changing gears a little bit. Hey, have you heard about this new singing sensation? I see the That is Nashville Predators defenseman P.K. Subban. He's rolled into Nashville, uh, had his media conference, met some fans, met the Predators staff, and uh, he also met this guy, Nashville Predators play-by-play voice Pete Weber, who we welcome back to the show. Pete, how are you doing? I'm doing great and glad to talk with you in the middle of the summer. <laughs> well, yeah. Who knows what's going to happen to this world, right? <laughs> well, exactly. Well, middle of the summer, but, but a big hockey story. In Nashville. Yes. My goodness, the P.K. Subban experience uh, seems to be off and running, eh? It's off and running. His, uh, who knows how far away he is now from a record contract or a CD contract. He's already performed on the stage at Tootsie's Orchid Lounge uh, on Sunday. He did some Johnny Cash and some more. Uh, and there's a, there's a very good chance, who knows, maybe Sony Records reach out for him. <laughs> now, it's funny. He, he dives into Nashville with uh, exactly the type of behavior that uh, allegedly wore thin in Montreal. <laughs> yeah, but I tell you, as a broadcaster, I think, Reed, you can appreciate this. I am never going to have to feel like I am pulling teeth when I'm interviewing him. I'm, I don't really have to draw him out of his shell. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no, there's definitely uh, not much of a shell there. Let's before we. I want to. I want to get more into just your experience with him today and over the last couple of days. But 
when this deal went down, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, within minutes of our, our own big story here in Edmonton when, when Hall was traded for Larson. But Yeah, what about it? Like It was about a 25-minute span, yeah. that, those two trades, and then Stamkos deciding to stay in Tampa. Yeah, I mean, people have called it the, the craziest 25 minutes in, in the history of the NHL, certainly in off-ice news. It may be that. But did you – I mean, I know the stories were there out of Montreal, and I was still always saying – Man, I can't, I can't see them moving a, a player of this caliber. Were you getting a sense leading into that? You know, Weber could be in play. Maybe, maybe Subban's coming back. What was your, what was the lead into this trade for you, Pete? Out of absolutely nowhere, out of oblivion, I had no inclination, and indeed the pronouncements had been from the start and the start going back to 2012 when the Philadelphia Flyers signed Shea Weber to the offer sheet that was matched by the Predators, that uh, Shea Weber was to be in Nashville for the life of that contract. Uh, So this was total shock for everybody here. When you you look at at PK coming in, and I know the the predators are are established there, and and, and we've talked about you know the the loyal fans and everything they've built there. But I'm going to throw you this one: Does PK okay. Subban immediately become the the biggest name that's ever played for the Predators, even though he has yet to play for the Predators? Likely, yeah. Yeah. The the, the other contenders would have been though he was at the end of his career. We pretty well knew it at the time. Peter Forsberg mm-hmm. uh, in 2007. And uh, with Peter Forsberg at that point also was Paul Correa. So uh, those were the biggest, I think, impact names that have put the Predators uniform on. This trade uh, now supersedes what had been the biggest trade in team history, and maybe it'll change a little bit as perspective lengthens for us. But as big as the one in February of 2004, when the Predators were able to get Steve Sullivan away from the Chicago Blackhawks and make the playoffs for the first time. The other deal I'm still going to wait on to judge, though it's looking like it's going to be a pretty impactful one too, is uh, Marty Erat for a guy named Philip Forsberg. Well, right. That was uh, that turned out okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for, for... But nobody had any idea of the consequences at the time, other than the scouts and the other cognoscenti in the hockey world. Right. Pete Weber joining us on Inside Sports, play-by-play voice for the Nashville Predators. Okay, so you mentioned P.K. Subban dives right into the, the Nashville experience and, and does a little bit of singing. What was he, what, what, were, what was it like today, sort of uh, just meeting with him? Uh, you know, was he interacting with people? Was it all media stuff? Just how did P.K. dive into it over the last day or two? Well, uh, as soon as they hit the airport here in Nashville yesterday, it was downtown to the Honky Tonks and, uh, you know, going to Tootsie's Orchid Lounge, etc., and putting on the, the singing display. This morning, uh, and there is uh, an ESPN documentary crew here already for ESPN E60, uh, covering his first foray into Music City, uh, along with the Predators video people following him all over. So at uh, 10 o'clock, 10.30 this morning, we had an informal get-together with members of the team staff and he just captivated them from the absolute outset. Uh, again, you could tell there was no shell, no veneer that had to be broken. He was happy to answer uh, questions about his preference in clothing and, and uh, admitting to being more than a little bit of a uh, of a clothes horse 
to be certain, uh, how he loves singing, and how he became acclimated to country music in his years in junior in Belleville, where this uh, inner-city Toronto kid had no idea really about country music until he began hearing it in the Belleville Bulls dressing room. So uh, he, I think the, the key thing I got from him today was a lesson he learned from his father, and that is to always have an open mind. Leave your mind open to all these new experiences, and it is clear he has been relishing his time here. Well, and another great sort of mantra that PK got from his dad, and I, I've had the pleasure of interviewing his dad, is yep. be yourself because no one else can, and and PK's embraced that. Now, it, it and, yes. you know, supposedly in Montreal, that that might erupt some people the the wrong way. I guess I guess we'll see. Do you, do you think? Let, let me ask you this: one. you've been around the hockey environment, the hockey culture for a long time. Do you think it's easier to be an outgoing, big personality in an American market than a Canadian market, especially in Nashville, where we know hockey has its popularity, but it has a lot of competition? Do you think this is now going to be seen more as a positive for PK than, than maybe a, a, a negative that he is just so such a big personality? I don't know that you can't have a personality in Canada. Uh but I, I do know that it will work very well here. Now, maybe Montreal is, you know, the holiest of holies uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the cathedral-like approach and, and the respect for the sacrament of hockey. Here, it's a part of the life, and it has been now for almost 20 years with the NHL level and for 30, 40 years before that at the minor league level. And I think maybe it does help a little bit more here maybe than it does there. Okay. Well, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I think that's a great trade for Nashville. It, just in terms of the player that went out, Shea Weber. I mean, there's a lot of yes. there's a lot of okay, he's he's past his prime. He's not going to contribute anymore. You've watched the guy uh, all the time. Yeah. Where do you think Shea Weber's at in his career? Well, I, I think we'd have to say he's probably starting the tenth hole, right, mm-hmm. uh, of his of his career. But he's still, and not just serviceable. I, I love the way. Jim Matheson put it on a tweet earlier today. He said, why don't we ask some of those analytics people who was effectively, I'm just paraphrasing here, are dissing Shea Weber and see if they would like to go into the corner going after a puck along with Shea Weber. Because I think he is going to, and really I think this is a case of it. It might be even uh, to the point of the January trade the Predators made with Columbus, where I think both teams really profited from Seth Jones going to Columbus, Ohio, and Ryan Johansson coming here. Predators had strength and surplus, perhaps, at, at defense, and they needed a number one centerman. And and now I think with the way the two coaches prefer a different style of play, Peter Laviolette likes the pedal-to-the-metal play, and Michelle Terrian clearly does not. I think that might have figured in this more than anything else, and I think this could be a trade similar to that one between Columbus and Nashville, where both sides do benefit. All right. Pete, before I let you go, we, we have a lot of focus on I'm P.K. Not Subban I'm today. I'm not going to sing, Reed. What's that? I'm not going to sing. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm just no. not going to sing. <laughs> yeah. give, give, me, give me your best country music uh, <laughs> rendition. But oh, we, we've been talking about P.K. today and, and his outgoing personality. I mean, you've, you've got a story broadcasting career, including... Uh, well, you did some Buffalo Bills, you did some Sabers, uh, Buffalo Sabers. You did N- you did N- NBA in Seattle, I believe. I know you've done NCAA. Yes. I think you did some LA Kings as well. 
So oh yeah, you, you, back in the Triple Crown line days, so right? Way pre Wayne Gretzky. So who's a uh, is, is there a uh, outgoing? personality or a, a quirky personality that you really remember from a past team you covered? I'm going to have to go with the two center icemen, Marcel Dion and Gilbert Perrault. And Gilbert more shy than Marcel, but once you get Gilbert going, well, I, I'll i never forget we had a, an alumni game in Buffalo, which we broadcast, and all of a sudden Gilbert grabbed the microphone on the ice and began doing his obviously French-accented Elvis Presley. Uh, and that just used to throw me for a loop. And Marcel Dion, he was somebody else I never had to feel like I was pulling him out of his shell in an interview situation. So those are the two guys I'm going to compare him to. And I know those are uh, high-caliber people, high-caliber hockey players, but I think uh, PK is right along the lines at this stage of his career of joining them. Yeah, well, it sounds like the uh, Subban era in Nashville is already off to a flying start, so it's going to be fun to see how that develops. Pete, it's I'm always... waiting for the first jersey that shows up on the street with his full name, Pernell Carl Subban. Oh, that'd be great, eh? <laughs> Pete, it's always great to have you on the show, man. Thanks for making time for us in the summer, and I know we'll be doing this again during the season. I'm looking forward to it, and if you want to do it again in August... What the heck? Let's do it. Maybe we'll have a big news conference for my second son to come to Nashville, Yannick Weber. Oh, wow. Pete, you're pulling out the references there, aren't you? That is Pete Weber, play-by-play voice for the Nashville Predators. A first-hand account of P.K. Subban bursting onto the scene with the Nashville Predators. That was uh, a huge day, wasn't it? Stamkos resigns. Weber for Subban. What was, oh yeah, Taylor Hall for, for Adam Larson. You can always text 630-630. Phone number 780-496-0063. Inside Sports continuing. We're going to bring in uh, Steve Sir, Edmontonian, who got to play for the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA Summer League. He's between 730 and 8 tonight as we move along. This is Darius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Darius Bowman, huge season so far for your 2-1 Eskimos, who will be on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium Saturday at 5 against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Pre-game show on 630 Chad will commence at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Reed Wilkins with you. No Blue Jays tonight. They are third in the AL East, three games back of Baltimore. Baltimore in New York tonight, and the Yankees lead at 2-1 in the bottom of the seventh. Your scoreboard is presented by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can visit crystalglass.ca. Bernard Suen on the other side of the window tonight is your uh, studio operator. Bernard, how's it going, old boy? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. You were uh, at the street performers this weekend, weren't you? Yes, Doing we were. a little uh, Ched Street Team stuff? Yep. You weren't performing. No, I wasn't performing. I don't have any. Um, you got no street skills, street baby. Street skills, no. I saw a street performer on uh, Saturday. My cousin James is visiting from the lovely uh, city of uh, Waterloo, Ontario. Nice. Uh, nice little town. Yeah. Well, it's a city. Uh, we checked out a uh, street performer on Saturday, a young man from Philadelphia. Did some contortionist stuff. I, I, I saw that, too. Like, I did yeah. see that, yeah. Yeah. Did you check out Ben DM? I don't know what that is. Okay, uh, she fits herself in a box. How like, big is the box? Like, I could fit in a box. The box is, like, just a little bit bigger than our draw boxes. 
So. Oh, so it's it, whatever. No. How does she do that? She just like bends herself in, like in a clear box, and she actually fits her whole body in, which is crazy. It sounds disturbing. It, this guy fit himself in a suitcase. And he was one of those, like, he put his whole body through a tennis racket without the strings, obviously. Yeah. That should be the next step for a contortionist, through a tennis racket that is still stringed. Yeah. She, like, fits herself, and she's like, oh, my gosh, um, this is going to be a little bit disturbing, so don't have nightmares tonight. Was it disturbing to watch? Not really. It, it, it was just, <laughs> it was pretty cool. Maybe I'm, I, I... Maybe you're different. I'm different, yeah. And you find things that uh, are disturbing, not disturbing. Which is fine. That's you, Bernard. And and you know what? It's actually entertaining to watch. The thing is, like, lots of people love it. You know what was great uh, yesterday? The golf, that final round between Mickelson and Stenson at the British Open. Just mm. uh, watching that, and uh, I was just like, I'm glad I'm having the experience of getting to watch golf. This incredible. Stenson, ten birdies. Mickelson, one of the rounds of his life, still loses by three. Wow. And uh, the PGA next weekend already because they've bumped everything up because of the Olympics, which no one good is really golfing in anymore. So whatever. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can text six thirty six thirty. Here's what we got to do. Oh, we got news, traffic, and weather coming up. How exciting! Steve Sir is going to join us. They were chanting Steve Sir's name at the NBA Summer League. 33-year-old from Edmonton. Got a look with the Milwaukee Bucks. He will summarize the experience and let you know what happens next in his basketball career. Played in the NCAA, played several seasons in Europe. Could he possibly have a shot at the association? And from 8 to 9 tonight, the Eskimo Show with Dave Campbell. 727. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Frustrated fan texting in. We were talking about contortionists before the break there, Bernard. Look up America's Got Talent. There's a girl who bends herself up and shoots a bow and arrow, and she nails the bullseye. Doesn't I think I heard about that. Doesn't she shoot the bow and arrow with her feet? I think so. I, I, all I, my parents watch America's Got Talent, and my my mother always. Oh, you should you should watch America's Got Talent. It's quite amazing. Like this woman, she does all this twisty stuff, <laughs> and then she shoots the bow and arrow. I'm like, okay, mom, that's great. Do you watch it? No, I don't watch it. I don't <laughs> like shows like that. It's bad enough I have to listen to this show. Why would I go home and watch something even worse? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, frustrated fan, thank you for that. Perhaps I will uh, look that up. Uh, that is pretty amazing, though. So this woman fit herself in a box, you said. Yeah. she She's like, a, she's a little bit taller than me. About 5'5". Five, five. I'm 5'4". Five, and I can't even fit myself in a box. Well, never say never, Bernard. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's, um, there's always tomorrow. There so is, but... Hold out hope, buddy. <laughs> Uh, hey, uh, never say never for our next guest, Steve 
Sir Edmonton basketball sensation. Uh, he's had a great career, a lot of it playing over in Europe at the age of 33. He just got to play for the Milwaukee Bucks in the uh, NBA Summer League in Las Vegas. Had the crowd chanting his name at one point. For those stories and more, Steve Sir, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing, man? I'm good, thanks. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, uh, welcome back to Edmonton. The last time we talked to you was about a week or so before you were going to play in the NBA Summer League, and now mm-hmm. you, have, you have had that experience. So I'll, I'll start generally. I, I mean, how, how do you feel it went? Now that it's done, I, I feel it went, for myself, it went about as well as it possibly could. Um, I think I told, I mentioned it on the show when I was on the first time that uh, my job and what I was described to do was, uh, was very specific. And they were very clear with what they wanted. They wanted me to come in, and when I got my shot, to be able to to get in there and, and make some shots, but also to be an older guy who had good influence on on the younger players on the team, and and be a steady person that you know was was there to do his job every day, and and that's exactly what I did. So as far as a, a checklist of what I needed to accomplish when I went down there, I, I feel from the feedback I got from the team and from the coaches that I, I did about as good a job as I could do. Take me through this experience because I mean, I mean, certainly this was exciting. Uh, at the same time, you've also played basketball at a lot of different levels in a lot of different leagues, and, and you know the drill. There's a rotation. There's only so many minutes to go around. But the first couple of games, I mean, you didn't play, and then you got kind of more action as the tournament went on. But so, what what was that like? Sort of wanted to get that chance. I, I imagine you were eager to get, to get out there, but they kind of made you wait for it, didn't they? Yeah, um, but again, I, I feel like as an older player, that's something that uh, I was prepared for. Um, maybe not to uh, the level of uh, of what happened. I mean, I, never after the game, uh, any of the games when I didn't get in, was I upset. Like I knew that that was my job today. My job was to uh, do what was was called on me to do. And, and during those days, I didn't get in. I, I didn't get in. And it was also important, I think, to maintain a perspective. I didn't get in with the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, it wasn't like you went to an open run at the YMCA and couldn't get on a court. Like, it was important to, uh, it was important to remember where, where I was and what I was doing. And um, the thing was, leading up towards the games, we'd had practices. I'd played well. Uh, we had shoot-arounds and things like that, and I was putting in my time. And the way I kept looking at the Summer League was it's, it's about a 12-day to two-week event, and I was going to get an opportunity. I just didn't know when, and I just didn't know against who. I just had to make sure that mentally and physically I was prepared as I possibly could be. So if we had some open gym time, I was there to, to get a workout in. If we had time to go stay after practice to shoot, I was making sure that I was staying. And during the games, I was trying to focus as best I could on what was going on on the floor so that if I did get in, I would be able to get right into the swing of it as opposed to then have to flick a switch and get mentally engaged. So that's part of, I think the job is you have to be professional and you have to make sure that you are prepared to do whatever is asked of you. And what was asked of me was you're going to sit for the first little bit. So when I got my chance, I I was definitely ready to get in there and go. Steve, tell me about 
playing against the Houston Rockets in the final game for Milwaukee in the tournament, you, you come out, you, you know, and you you gun a couple shots from long range, which, as you mentioned, is is one of your specialties, and you, you get the crowd excited and they start chanting your name. Were you aware of that when it was happening, or you know, and and if so, what was that experience like? Um. I was aware of it. I mean, I, I it, there was a lot of people in there, and uh, it was as loud as it it was the loudest it had been during the entire game. So you know, you'd be lying if you said I, I didn't hear it. Um, I was excited to be out there. Uh, they threw us in, I think, with about two and a half, <clears throat> excuse me, three minutes to go, and we were I think down ten or twelve, which in the NBA is not a lot of points. You can hit two shots and you're right back in the game, and that's kind of exactly what happened when I checked in. Uh, the other team got a technical immediately, so I got to shoot a free throw, which is probably the best way to to get going after sitting for a while to get a feel of the ball and shoot a shot with without anyone contesting it. And then right after that, I was able to get a good look in transition. Another one of our guards hit a three, and then I got a good look in the baseline to hit a three, and all of a sudden we were down three. So just like that, there was a huge swing. So it was, it was great that I, I made some shots, but what made me feel – excited about it was they were shots that got us back into the game and legitimately gave us a chance at the end of it to win so um from that end it was fun the chanting the name stuff everybody likes doing the yes sir thing and that that's not anything new so um it was just kind of neat it was it wasn't kind of neat it was really cool to have it be on that kind of a scale and on that on that type of stage because yeah, not, not a lot of guys are lucky enough to have that. Yeah. Steve Sir joining us inside Sports on 630. Chad just played for Milwaukee in the NBA Summer League in Las Vegas. So, uh, special place for you. I mean, you got to have this experience. And didn't you attend uh, one of your first ever or a early youth camp in Las Vegas when you were a teenager? When I Yeah. When I was a teenager, actually, I, I went down uh, in between my – let's see, 10th and 11th grade year, and I played in a tournament called the Las Vegas Big Time Tournament, which at the time was the biggest AAU tournament in North America. Like, anybody who was anyone was, was playing in this thing. And I didn't play all so well. I was I was pumped to do it, but I was, you know, a bit intimidated as well and, and, and had never been to an experience like that before. So the following summer, we went back, um, and I played with my with my Shep guys, uh, like Jermaine Buckner and Spencer Dorward and Brandon Park and Phil Sudol, and we played for Phil Allen and my dad and Dave Dorward. And I went down there really focused, really dialed in of wanting to make an impression. And I wound up setting the, setting the big-time scoring record. And I think I wound up averaging like 33 points a game over the course of five games. And it was a record that still stands, which is pretty cool because if, if you were to search it out, a friend sent this to me not too long ago, is the names that are on that all-time scoring list are like Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. Like this, it's a tournament of anyone who's ever been anybody. And sitting right at the top is is my name, and the team was just Junior Griffins because Phil Phil Allen was coaching the the Grand McEwen Griffins at the time. So, um, yeah, Vegas has been a pretty pretty good place for me over the years. I really enjoy uh, having a chance to play out there. Okay, so what's next for you? Are, are the Bucks gonna? be in touch could could you go to training camp do you need to lock something down in, in Europe and go back there what what what's ahead for you Steve um you know I, I've been I've been fighting with how uh, I, what I wanted to think about this experience after like as far as what's going forward what I want to have happen but if I'm just being honest what I really would like is is an invitation to their training camp um, the role that I play with the team 
is one that I feel I can do very well of the type of guy that is steady, uh, doesn't get too high or too low, and is just going to do the work day in and day out and try and bring other guys along with him. Um, I really enjoyed being a part of, of the Milwaukee Bucks team and their organization because they're a young team and they're a young group, and I think I can have a good uh, a good impression on those guys to come do the work, get your shots up, take care of your body, do those types of things, and be prepared and as professional as possible to do your job. So what I'm hoping is to take the positives that happen in summer league and that they'll bring me to training camp to do that same job. Um, because in the game against the Rockets, what I felt I was able to display is if you can throw me in the game for two or three minutes, I can hit a couple of shots and change it. I know that's my role. I'm never going to step too far outside of that. I'm a shooter. And in the NBA, the three pointer is, is a very big, uh, very big deal right now that changes the flow of games. So if I could get to camp and have a chance to, to show my quality with their main guys and, uh, to try and make an impression on on the rest of their coaches, I think uh, you ne- you never you just never know what can happen. So to throw that out in the universe, that's what I'm hoping will come of this, and and I'm gonna try and push or and do whatever I can to to try and see that uh try and see that work out. Well, awesome stuff, Steve. Thanks for sharing your experience with us, which which you've done in the past, but you you got to have another cool one, and I, and I know we're gonna we're gonna keep in touch. But thanks again for joining us on Inside Sports. Thank you very much for having me, Reed. Great stuff. Steve Sir, Edmonton kid, started slow form at NBA Summer League, but uh, certainly had his moment in the spotlight. And as he said, he, he knew it wasn't just his job to go in there and play. It was his job to go in there and lead and be a good attitude, have a good attitude and teach some of the young guys about being a pro. So he was successful there as well. Maybe he gets that shot. Maybe he gets to go to Milwaukee training camp. He did go to Minnesota Timberwolves training camp a few years ago. Inside Sports on 630, Chad, 780-496-0063. While we were talking to Steve Sir, Aaron called into the show. Hey, Aaron. Hey. How's that? What's going on? Um, I was just wondering. Uh, I was wondering if the Oilers could get Rick Nash. If the Oilers could get Rick Nash, I I don't see that happening. What's what's uh, what's on your mind with that? Uh, well, I I can see on the trade bait list they have Hopkins, Everly, and and uh, Yakupov. Sure. Yeah, that's three. Do so you think one of those players would get you Rick Nash? I, I, I don't know about that. Uh, I mean, he makes $8 million a year, so th- that would be more under the Oilers' salary cap. And he's a left winger, and I don't know if the Oilers really need a left winger right now, Aaron. Oh, because he had, he's pretty good. Yeah. Well, he had a quieter year last year. He only had 15 goals last year, but he had 42 the year before. He was a bit injured last year. Um, I think... Uh, I mean, he's still a good player. He's 32. His best years might be behind him, Aaron. So I don't know. Um, I don't know if that's the type of player the Oilers are going to go after at this point, especially considering what he makes. Okay, buddy. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot for calling. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Seven forty five. We'll bring in Dave Campbell when we get back. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right. The Edmonton Eskimos will get back to practice tomorrow. 
Last game was Thursday. They beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers 20-16. Huge night for uh, Riley Bowman-Walker. Offensively, D-line came through with three sacks. The uh, defense tightened up. Pat Watkins with a big pass breakup at the end of the game. Hamilton, the next opponent they are preparing for. Dave Campbell will have the Eskimo show from 8 to 9 tonight. Hello, Dave. Hello, Reed. How's it going? Good, 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 good. So what was the, I'm, I'm curious, what, what was the vibe there in, in Winnipeg? I mean, look, in a team that for most of the time has had eight or nine teams mm-hmm. since 1990, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have not won a great cup in 1990. In a league of this size, that's almost unfathomable. I guess we have to fathom it though, <laughs> since it's since it's happening. And for much of those much of that quarter century, um, they haven't been that good. They had some good teams in the nineties. Oh one was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh 07, okay, sure, maybe if Glenn's healthy they win. Didn't happen. And uh twenty eleven good team in the East Division. Uh, I mean, the Eskimos had the second-best team in 2011, but they, they lost to the best team in the West Final. What did you get a sense of the, the, the mood was in Winnipeg about the Bombers? Honestly, I think there's a lot of... Uh... Let me turn your mic oh, up, Dave. That would help. Now we can hear you. Okay, excellent, excellent. I don't project off of your microphone very well, but now I do. Anyway, um, there's a lot of... Uh, I'm not going to say the word apathy, because I, I think apathy is the wrong word, but there's a lot of... Uh, you know, it's show me you know wake me up when you do something wake me up when you have a winner you know the 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 stadium that they play in is beautiful investors group field the eskimos have five wins in that building they've never lost the bombers have seven wins overall out of 29 games okay there was 24,000 people at the game last thursday not a great crowd that's like 9,000 below capacity it's honestly a team that's be- it's a city that's become cynical towards their their team. Um, they keep getting promise. It's going to be a better year. We're going to start winning, and you know, I mean, right now they're one and three. It's not the worst thing in the world, but it is the worst thing in the world when you have been bad since your last Grey Cup appearance five years ago. So, I just sense a lot of c- uh, cynicism from fans. I sense a lot of you know what I why should I believe anything Mike O'Shea says, what Kyle Walter says, the president Wade Miller. I think there's um, a somewhat of a disconnect between the uh, the management and the fan base. You know Wade Miller is trying his best to keep everyone around you know and keep O'Shea because they want continuity because they went through head coach after head coach after head coach, and now they have someone that they're they're you know O'Shea's in his third season. But I think there's a lot of dis- you know mistrust with the fan base, and the fan base is tired of losing. So they're like, get rid of the guy, get get someone else, put La Police back in there, even though they ran him out of town a few <laughs> years ago. So I just sense a lot of cynicism, and you know I don't care about your flashy new stadium anymore. I don't care about your promises. I, I just don't care anymore. You know they they don't seem to believe the fan base. They don't seem to believe in Drew Willie anymore. And there's well, something wrong with why him. Why would they? There's something wrong with him. I mean, you switch the quarterbacks in that game, Winnipeg, Winnipeg wins. If Riley goes and plays for Winnipeg, yeah, they win. Absolutely. Which also angers a lot of people because Joe Mack, who was the previous GM uh, before Kyle Walters came in, didn't want Mike Riley because he didn't see him as a starter. Oops. <laughs> well, Riley's very good. He is very good. You know, right now he's the best quarterback in the league, in my opinion. So... Zach Caleros might have something to say about that once he's back and healthy, but 
Mike Riley right now, he's the man. He's he's the best QB Is in the league. Is he better than Harris? Ah. Uh, well, there's a good question. Uh, Harris is better only because he's got that crazy completion percentage, and I say only. But uh, well, for, he set a single game record last week. Well, it's not bad. Good for him. That's good. No, it is good. It's good. No, <laughs> well, but how to belittle accomplishments, Dave? Well, I'm good at that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'd say I'd say Riley's still the best quarterback in the league right now. Harris is definitely uh, knocking on the door of that. But you you look at the all around quarterback and the intangibles you need from a quarterback. I think Mike Riley is the man right now. So we had this story today, the uh, report by the Canadian law professor revealing all the state-sponsored doping mm-hmm. by, uh, by Russia in the Olympics. Haley Wickenheiser says that uh, Russia should be banned from the Rio Games. Could happen. I, I'm in favor of just ban the whole team. And it's unfortunate innocent people, innocent athletes, would have their, yeah. their dreams squashed. But what else do you do? I mean, it's just it's just embarrassing for the Olympic movement that yeah. it's, that it's this bad. And other countries have in in the past have been guilty of something like this, although maybe not state sponsored. But other countries have been, you know, have been under suspicion of of doping and been found. There's a lot of rot out there. And well, and then the argument is, well, you can't throw them, you can't throw Russia out because you didn't throw those countries out. Yeah, well, it has the well, benefit. Change fine, change the punishment. It has the benefit of never being tried. So that's that's right. You don't know until you try. So you could you could set precedent now by saying, okay, uh, we are going to punish a nation. You can't participate, and that would send a very harsh message. So I say, go for it. Absolutely. The the athletics team well, is already, already banned. Out. The athletics team. So right? which is a huge portion of any summer Olympic team. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, there's. I mean, there's what over sixty Canadians. So I. Yeah. Or I didn't look up the Russian number. I would assume it's. So it's not like three weightlifters can't go or something. No. Like that. Exactly. So I mean, yeah. There's a lot of innocent uh, people in th- within that Russian team, but I guess they're guilty by association because they belong to the Russian, because uh, they belong to uh, the Russian country. But in my opinion, try it. See what happens. And they should be thrown out. No, there's no doubt about it. Inside Sports, presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. We'll be back from uh, 6 to 9, full show tomorrow night. Bob Stoffer will have Oilers now from noon to 2. Dave Campbell has the Eskimo show coming up from uh, 8 to 9. So they're, they're, the Eskimos are in this uh, Thursday-Saturday mm-hmm. rotation to their schedule. So they got uh, six games in a row that go Thursday-Saturday, Thursday. So... so they get the short week and then a bit of a longer week. Mm-hmm. So they actually got a long weekend coming out of that Winnipeg game. Yes, they do. So they, they've been off since uh, Friday, basically. So uh, they're back on the field tomorrow. And then they'll have a short week next week. They'll probably only have two practices because they're going to have to give them an off day on, on the Sunday, right? which is the 24th. So then they get a long break. And then they get a short break. <laughs> so that's just the, the pattern they're in right now. So um, I think it... Should help them, hopefully, with a couple of injuries that came up uh, against the Bombers. Uh, right guard Matt O'Donnell uh, with a leg injury, and also uh, Kenny Ladler, their nickelback in their linebacking course. So, uh, who filled? So Greaves filled in for O'Donnell. Yeah. Who filled in for Ladler? Rookie Tyler Thornton. And I thought. Oh he, right, I thought he did fine. Thought he played really. Yeah, I didn't well. have a problem with him at all. No, very impressive performance by that defense. I think the defense were the stars of the show. And there's some big numbers by Mike Riley and Darius Bowman and Darrell Walker, and they put up the, as an offense over 500 yards. They score 20 points. That's what kind of puts the bad taste in your mouth, I guess. They won. It was enough. But uh, they got some things to clean up, too. I mean, the penalty situation. That's the most is, discouraging thing. Yeah. I mean, 12 penalties, and 
eight of them in the first half. Yep. So you got a situation. You know what? Eight penalties a game. You know that's probably even that's still a little too many. But when you think, okay, two a quarter, you can live with that. Well, in listening to your your great hour with uh, DeAnthony Batiste and Tony Washington, you know why why are the starts so slow? Well, penalties don't help. Yeah. When you're constantly hurting yourself, when you're constantly putting yourselves in second and whatever, or first and long, or whatever, you know. And I am one that I admitted after the game, or I, I said after the game, that was not the most uh, well-officiated game I've ever seen. I didn't like the, the way Al Bradbury's crew handled himself, but that's secondary well, issue yeah. to me. But they should know by now what needs to happen, and they got to stop taking more penalties. So this will prevent them from being a very good football I, game. I, I actually didn't have a lot of problems with the officiating in that game, though I started to be a little, why is every kick return have a flag? Yeah. Then you wonder, is that the players, or are they just being really chintzy with the calls? Uh, who do you have coming up on the Eskimo Show? Head coach Jason Moss, middle linebacker J.C. Sherrod, who was huge in the in the win. He was all over the place. Oh, yes, and uh, we'll hit the Hamilton, talk to uh, Rick Zamperin of uh, CHML Radio about the Tiger Cats coming in, 2 and two. One of the most uh, deceiving 31-7 wins you'll ever see in the Canadian Football League last week against the Alouettes. Dave Campbell with the Eskimo Show coming up next. He's also the producer of Inside Sports. Our guest tonight, Steve Sir, Pete Weber, Mike Riddle, Angela White. Thanks to everybody who called and texted. The studio producer, Bernard Sue. And my name is Reed Wilkins. Enjoy the Eskimo Show. I'll talk to you tomorrow. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.